Welcome to In Search of Wisdom, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. In this episode, I welcome back to the show Simon Drew from the Walled Garden Philosophical Society. As many of you know, Simon is a friend, poet, musician, philosopher, and someone deeply interested in life's questions. Today's episode is part of our series called Living the Questions. The title is inspired by a famous quote from the poet Rainer Maria Rilke, who wrote in letters to a young poet, Live the questions for now. Perhaps then, without even noticing it, you will gradually come on some far-off day to live your way into the answer. This series is exploring six perennial questions, you might say, things like how to live, what is wisdom, what is love, how to think about God, and what is the meaning of life. This is part four in the series. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go back and listen to the previous episodes if you like. All right, without any further delay, please welcome the wise and gracious Simon Drew. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. We've had some uh, scheduling conflicts, mostly on on my end uh, of getting another... Don't do that. Right? It's so funny how like your perception seems to be that it's all on your end. My perception is like I'm the flakiest guy in the universe. <laughs> you know, just like can't get my my stuff together. You know, and so it's uh yeah no we're all we're all trying to pull ourselves together here. So I'm, I'm grateful that you're so patient with me, man. You're you're about the most patient person I know. Oh, I was going to say in terms of uh, flaky, I could say flexible. You're about the most flexible person. I'm pretty flexible. And I love it. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But we've got a a big question today. And and for anybody that's listening that is new to this Living the Questions series, I wanted to maybe take a moment and... uh, talk a little bit about some of the previous episodes. So I think this is number four. We've done a few previous episodes. You can kind of search it by looking, uh, living the questions, and and you'll see those. But we've talked about, I guess, like the inspiration in in general, this uh, Rilke quote uh, of living the questions. Um, We've talked about how to live, Um, the previous episode, we talked about what is wisdom. And then today we've got another huge, important question of what is love? And it's, um, it's a bit intimidating, you know, this, these big questions, but, uh, but yeah, I'm curious, any thoughts that come up on, uh, previous, previous episodes or just like in general, this idea of living the questions before we get into this particular one. Any thoughts on previous episodes? I, um, what I've been excited about in in all of our conversations, really, this far is just, you know, we we don't 
claim to have all the answers, but it's it's just so, it's so meaningful just to dive in to ask the question and then just to see what happens when you start throwing your thoughts out there. You know, um, I, I I think that both of us would like to have a deeper understanding of these the the answers to these questions. Um, and I think it's in the very playful nature that you and I talk that that a deeper understanding comes out. Like I remember when we had that event, you know, uh, talking about what is love with, um, heck, you know, Sharon was there, some people from the world garden community. It was just beautiful. And it was such a winding conversation where like, you know, we didn't come to any conclusive answer, but we definitely came closer to an understanding. Um, I think yeah. the same thing will happen today. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. And, and I hope it's, a bit of inspiration, a bit of um, maybe a thought-provoking exercise for anyone listening to do to do the same, to maybe contemplate this particular question: "What is love?" But you know the, these other questions that we're um, exploring, and obviously anything that comes up. And I've, um, as I've said previously, when we've connected, there. there really something about this feels really important. I don't exactly know why, you know, it's, it's important to maybe create some clarity of, of what you mean. And I, I recently came across, um, Robert Keegan's stages of development, which I think was 30, 40 years ago, but it's one of the most well-known and respected models of, of development. And it's interesting in, um, the later stages, like stage four, is, um, if I remember correctly, is um, titled like self-authorship. And it talks a little bit of, about this, like in this stage of you're basically creating your own beliefs and values. And what I get from it is about important questions. You're not necessarily like just taking you know, whatever your parents or culture or, you know, whatever it may be, you're, you're thinking for yourself, you're essentially, um, you know, crafting the meaning of some of these important, important questions. So I, I just thought that was interesting and, uh, and maybe important for the, for the listeners around this, this project, I guess, if you will, you know, this series, Living the Questions. Can I can I touch on that too? Because I mean, I think you. Please. I think you're so right. It was just just last night I was thinking about this. You know, I'm I'm so grateful that through the kind of you know random causes and effects of my life, I managed to somehow find myself talking to people who were older than me, but not only that, people who their eyes were directed and their minds were directed towards higher things like wisdom, philosophy, you know, virtue, uh, divinity, you know, religions, you know, all, all of these just very, the, these things that, 
most people can agree are pretty important for a really well-lived life. And I was just thinking like, how I'm so grateful that I have had that chance as I was in my 20s to be able to kind of wrestle with these people who had so much better life experience than I did were already so deep into the path of trying to understand what all of these different concepts are and how we should live a good life. And it was in that wrestling, you know, because I mean, like I've, I've like, you know, living here in California now, you know, I'm, I'm about one, one year into really getting settled into a new country, new state, new way of life, new career, all sorts of things. And it's so challenging. But I just remembered the other day, I was like, man, if I hadn't have had all of the all of that time in my 20s to really grapple with these things i don't know if i would be here doing this you know with this kind of mindset able to take on these challenges that i'm taking on and it it just makes me so grateful and also makes me realize that this is the service that we need to provide as philosophers to the general public as well like people need to be able to like engage in these kinds of conversations because it's so formative you know um like you say, it is, it's, it's such a necessary developmental path. And I think that now that so many people are moving away, away from religion, you know, like, like we, we are, we are living in such an upside down world right now. We have to wonder like, where are kids, where are youth, where are people in their twenties, like really getting that, you know, cause I got that in even growing up in church, right? It's like, you go to church and you go to Bible study, you're going to debate against people about what things mean and how we should live and all this sort of stuff. I think um, I think it's a great challenge of our time is to provide people with that service to to wrestle with these thoughts and big questions. Anyway, that's that's my thoughts. So I'm grateful to you, Josh. I'm so grateful that I came across you and, and your work and found friendship and kinship with you. Oh, like likewise. And as as you're talking there, um, you've probably heard some sort of similar quote of uh, you know someone that maybe recommends a a book. Like that's the kindest thing you can do. I think Lincoln said something like that. Like, a, you know, a friend is someone who recommends a book I, I haven't read, um, which I totally agree with, obviously. But also something really important is recommending a connection. So I'm also grateful to Kai Whiting, who's been on the show a couple of times and been on, on your show a number of times recommending oh you know who you should connect with you should connect with my friend simon drew i think you guys will really hit it off you know so like that idea some of these things we just don't quite think of um but uh but grateful to him as as well you know for connecting us but let me throw a question in the way of um i've heard it said as like we we jump Sometimes like maybe we jump to conclusions or we like we make a jump in our thinking. When it comes to these questions, sometimes we can make a jump of I'm not of all sorts of things around love, whether I'm not lovable or, you know, the opposite of that, or I'm not being loving or the fact that, you know, I am all sorts of stuff without maybe having some clarity on what it even means. You know, it's like we make a jump where it's like, well, wait a second. What what is love really? 
you know, that, that annoying thing that philosophers do where they're like really, really particular on what words mean and things like that. There is something, uh, you know, super important in that. So just to get us, um, started because I know we're we're 10 minutes in here and we'll we'll get to this topic but a couple saints um you know have put some you know short definitions of of love out there that I I think are a, a good starting point and one is um the founder of the Jesuit order Saint Ignatius of Loyola who said love ought to manifest itself in deeds something that people have probably heard before. Another is from St. Thomas Aquinas, who said that love is willing the good of another. Um, and these things can be obviously taken many different ways. But yeah, I'm just curious as like a starting point of, of you know, where do we enter in, you know, to this uh, topic of love? Yeah, I I love philosophical or theological definitions like you're giving, or, or more, it's more like musings, like, you know, what is love? Well, this is what it appears to me, because it's always, it's, it's always a little bit more human than a, di- a dictionary, perhaps, <laughs> you know, but, um, but I'm, I'm going to the dictionary. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm going to the American Heritage Dictionary here. Um, a, a fantastic dictionary. It's online as well. Uh, David Feidler recommended it to me, um, and it's never really let me down. Nice. Um, but there's there's a few. There's a. I think this is quite interesting because it, it speaks to just the variety of experiences that human beings call love. You know, you know, you've got okay, a strong feeling of affection or concern towards another person as a, that arising from kinship or close friendship. Okay, so it can be like a love between two friends, you know, or it can be this strong feeling of affection, a strong feeling of affection or concern for another person accompanied by sexual attraction. Okay, so it can be like an intimate relationship. This one I found interesting. A feeling of devotion or adoration toward God or a God. Mm. A feeling of kindness or concern by God or a God towards humans often love, you know, uh, Christianity, charity, it's saying here, you know, there's, there's just, it's, it's a huge word. <laughs> there's so yeah. much in it because it goes all the way from the, the most, you know, visceral sexual attraction, you know, uh, all the way up to this adoration for God, the totality, man, what a word. It's powerful, you know? Yeah. And that makes it so complicated, these things, uh, much like wisdom, where it's many things. You know, as as I've said uh, probably many times on here and, and probably said to you of this question that I ask at the end of every episode, what is wisdom? You know, I mean, there's just so many ways to think about it that are, that are wise and... Um, Sometimes I wonder, like, in the way of clarity. So it's like, yes, there are many ways to think about it. But in the way of clarity, you know, should my 
description of love or how I think about love, you know, should it be a four or five page dissertation, you know, like, is, is there a need for me to like, get a bit clearer, you know, and even though it's big, to sum it up in a way that that makes sense and is meaningful uh, to me, which is a really challenging thing. You know, it's like this, what is love? It's a challenging thing because it's many things, but it does seem like there is some sort of need to get as clear as possible or as succinct as as possible in a, in a way. Yeah. And don't you think that that's what, those philosophers and theologians and mystics that they're doing is like they're they're grappling with that question for themselves and everybody comes up with their own this is what it is you know their own definition or i don't even know if you'd call it a definition it's more like a here's what love appears to be according from my experience um which is all we have yeah um yeah, yeah. Um that's a tough one. I mean, what do you think? Like yeah. like have have you spent time in your life like carving away a little bit of time in your day to really contemplate this question, what is love? You know, like what what has it appeared to be to you in your life? I th- I think so. You know, I'm I'm really fascinated um obviously about some of these questions. I know I've I've written um something previously that that people can can google on uh, perennial meditations where it's like five ways to think about love um and you could be succinct and you know pare down each of those five five things but on on one hand it seems like it's important to understand that it's many things in a way like it's this and it's that um but there is this like need for clarity like let me talk in a a practical thing like for an example like saint ignatius when he's writing you know love ought to manifest itself in deeds i imagine he has clarity over what he means in terms of deeds you know, so it's like, even if you read something, there's, you need to know, like, what each of these words means. Because sometimes a deed, and you could say, like, action, you know, we the, the Stoics often talk about, and many others, of, like, virtue as action. But isn't, isn't, like, just being where you are, and sometimes, like, essentially, like, not doing anything? kind of an action like if you think of like meditating for example not really you know it's more of a stillness practice but it's still you could put it under the big umbrella of action so it's like sometimes like love is this good good deed like acts for the common good but then other times it's probably just acceptance it's probably just simply being with what is you know, there's no sort of like act for the common good needed. And if there was, it might not be love anymore. <laughs> you know, it might be our own like uncomfortable 
ness with whatever it may be and like jumping in to save something that doesn't necessarily uh you know need saved in a way if you know what i mean yeah 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 i think that's a really interesting point because even in that you know what you mentioned there you know love ought to manifest itself in deeds that's not a definition that's a well here's where you'll find it but then what is it you know like if you take a hundred deeds and you were to analyze each of these deeds what's the special ingredient that you say oh i'm sniffing love you know like, like here, yeah <laughs> right i taste love in this deed you know like like what what <laughs> what, what what is that um you know uh yeah and it, it just makes me think and, and and i've considered this before as well it's like if i think of all of the times in my life when i've well not all because i couldn't possibly think of all of the times but if i think of times in my life where I could reasonably say, yeah, I think this is love, you know, each of them looks so different. And, and I, and I do think that it travels kind of up and down that, that ladder, you know, between God and, and, and the, the profane, you know, it's like, yes, there is sexual love. And you know what that is. And yes, there is like the deed love. It's like when you, you know, when, when one, uh, you know, partner gets up early to cook breakfast for the other, you know, and there's this like service, there's this service embedded in the, like, I love you. And I want to, you know, it's, it's those sorts of deeds. It's, you know, it, it can be like a stare into somebody's eyes. It can be, um, you know, heck when I, when I see the, the kind of, beautiful relationship between a cow and a stork where the cow needs the stork to sit on its back and eat the ticks off its back and the stork mm -hmm. needs the cow to have all of the ticks <laughs> you know <laughs> i think man that's like love in nature it's just like look at this beautiful symbiosis there's it's like there's this relationship of of everything where everything is feeding into everything else to to serve and to create and to nourish and so it's it, it, so much of it, I think, comes down to like in the moment you'll recognize it, <laughs> you'll, you'll if if you're paying yeah. attention, you know. Um, I don't know. What do you think of that? It, it's it's fascinating. I I love the example of of things in in nature, and it uh it makes me think about, and I also made a note of uh probably about six months ago now on reading in the good life uh i don't mention much here so i'll let me say this to the listeners reading in the good life is a, a weekly book club that simon and i uh facilitate where we're trying to read good books where we meet up every friday at noon eastern um and one book that we read was the art of loving by eric Fromm classic book written uh, around 1950 i think but you probably remember how he talks about he's like really stressing this like love as an art you know like these other pursuits where where that example in nature like maybe is more hardwired in a way you know uh, of naturally um you know, coming, coming to be, 
where with us, it's like, you know, he's making the case that we should think about it as this skill that we cultivate, which requires like knowledge and uh, an art. Let me just read a quick thing that I, uh, I made a note of. He says, the first step to take is to become aware that love is an art, just as living is an art. If we want to learn how to love, you know, what are the necessary steps to learning any art? Which to me kind of makes it difficult because when you think about like the art of painting, you know, this whole like theory and practice thing, obviously we know practice is really important in a way. And it's like you learn to paint by painting, by essentially you could say starting out not painting so well. So like our our thing of human beings, these, you know, social creatures that we are, like cultivating this particular art, learning, um, it seems like an important step is to maybe have the humility to realize that we don't quite know. We haven't quite mastered this this art. But But that's also like tough to say, and it may be tough to hear, to think about like, you know, we don't quite know how to love which is maybe too strong because in a way we kind of do. We just haven't necessarily like mastered it. I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's really something to that. There's something to that. I mean, it's, it seems like, you know, let's say in the case of a relationship, you know, that period of infatuation is is almost like the invitation, you know, to participate in the game of love, right? But once that phase is over, then it it becomes hard, you know? Like you have to figure out like, okay, like how do I how do we how do we actually like now go on the adventure of life together in a loving relationship where everything is, you know, uh well at least working towards harmony you know, between two people. And and it's like the most common thing that you hear from anybody who you know, gets married. It's like, you know, hey, once that initial period died down, then the work comes in. I heard this quote the other day. It was like, uh, uh, inspiration is for amateurs. For the rest of us, we just have to do the work. You know, it's like um, <laughs> it, when, yeah. when it comes to like artistry, right? Um yeah, and and then like you say, I, I guess you do have to really like narrow down, like what what is this and what does it look like, and and maybe it looks different to everybody. I don't know, like maybe it manifests differently for everybody. But I mean, on that point, um, one thing that uh, Dr. Charles Kim shared with me uh, very early on when I met him was he he said love always shows up in like the attention to detail it's like you look at you look like a you look at a brilliant concert violin player violinist right and they've spent their entire life from like the age of 4 obsessing over this instrument they know every detail they know every grain of wood 
on their instrument. They know everything that they need to do to make this thing perfect because they're pouring every part of themselves into creating this masterpiece that they've got to play. And I think that that shows up in relationships as too. It's like the details, like, do you know this person just absolutely inside and out? Do you, do you know what they love, what makes them come alive? You know, uh, do you, do you, do you know their favorite things, whatever things that is, you know, it's like, do you know how, do you know how to bring them joy? All of this sort of stuff. I I think that there's something to that, you know, that, that, that love is something that draws you closer to pay closer attention, to understand more deeply. Um, and in that way, human beings are so weird because we're just always, doing that you know we're always looking at closer at the things that we love the things that we're obsessed with you know um i don't know yeah but i i think you're exactly right it's like it's so difficult to narrow down what is it what is it actually it's just not easy to pinpoint this is exactly what it is you know yeah and and something that we uh i think spoke about uh, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about how to live we we touched on um the buddhist concept of the middle way or you could think of this um you know ancient maxim of nothing to excess but it, it does make me think about that when you bring up the example of this uh this person that is in this craft this like violinist you can almost say, like, you, you, you said, like, knows, like, you know, every grain of wood. Really, I'm not a musician, but I'm assuming almost becomes one with it. Where, in in one respect, like, from a human relationship, um, like, there is this thing of where we can become obsessed or become, like, attached in some sort of unhealthy way and almost like smother you know no no every grain of of wood on the particular person you know it's like none of us really kind of want that and this um um i think probably one of the most respected uh relationship experts uh gottman is his name who's been like in this work he talks uh about uh like parallel lives you know, and you could think about this in like in terms of uh, friendship, in terms of relationships, in terms of love. It's like, in a way, how do you honor like the agency that this other person has to to literally like dance their dance, to walk like their their path? And it, it's it's strange how much some of that stuff shows up in in wisdom traditions. You know, of people. You know, you've got to walk your particular path and and all of this type of stuff. But um, like I could see back to that Thomas Aquinas quote of like willing the good of another where that can become way too excessive. Like there is some sort of middle middle way of that probably. And how do we how do we know what that is? So, so challenging. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that. 
to, for me, that brings up another question, which is like, can, can, is love between two people? Well, there has to be some sort of, uh, there has to be some sort of immediate, uh, oh man, there's a word for this, uh, compatibility, Mm. you know, in, in terms of, are we at least aligned, uh, on whether it's certain values or a certain way of life or a certain culture, a certain tradition, perhaps, you know, um, for there at least to be that fascination that draws the two people in, you know, um, and then if there is that, I think it's very interesting what you're saying that that kind of supportive will that that supportive it almost is like a fascination. Like I can't wait to see who you become, you know, and, and, and I've, I've always felt like that's a very important part of any relationship is this kind of two people in support of the best in each other coming yeah. forward into the world. Uh, what did Jordan Peterson say? He said something uh, quite quite along those lines he said you know love is the best in me serving the best in you you know i think that's a very interesting yeah. way of looking at it um because because then that does put a limit on it it's not hey go and become whatever the hell you want to be it's the best in me wishes whatever success for the for the best in you you know the absolute best in you and and you know that means that there is a limit because if whatever's coming out of them seems to be leading them down a very dark path for example like that's not the best in me serving the best in them that's the best in me encouraging you know death <laughs> you know in the other person yeah so. yeah yeah it's so so interesting um I want to get a little bit, uh, maybe, maybe strange, but maybe strange is not the, the right word. Let's go, man. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, um, I'm really fascinated by like something I've been calling, maybe it's like cosmic love. You know, you say like the Stoics, for example, take a cosmic view from above you know, so it's like they're they're really getting a a super broad um, view of the world. But there's these other things uh, sometimes referred to as like the uh, circles of concern, where you know you essentially expand it out to everyone. You know, it's it's like this goal of literally like what you were just saying there, but applying to everyone and like even in in buddhism like that includes everything you know and um it's kind of a strange thing but it seems like it's super important to i i I don't exactly know you know how, and maybe some of the listeners can actually visualize those concentric circles going out 
that includes all of uh, um, of, of everything. But it, man, that that seems so important, also in the way of the individual relationships. Like there, there, there has to be some sort of uh, connection there where we can open our hearts up to, you know, the entirety of uh, of everything. The entirety of everything is in that person, or you're talk, you're talking about the two people. No, I'm I'm talking about the like all eight billion people. Yeah, like past and and present, like this idea of a cosmopolitan type of stuff. Of I'm a citizen of the world. You know, I'm connected to to everyone. Um, yeah. Now, even yeah. in in some like you're not going to necessarily run into or pass by you know all 8 billion people or anything like that in the way of willing the good of another what can you really do to you know will the good or like these you know in terms of uh actions or deeds but in some sort of way of like you know what were the stoics and and many others getting at in the way of like this thing of like Marcus Aurelius, like meditate often, or you say like, maybe he says like meditate daily on the interconnectedness and the interdependence of all things. It's like, why is he, why is he saying that? It seems, um, it seems not necessarily needed. I don't necessarily think that, but I mean, it was like in our, Oh man, this is so, this is so important, you know. Um, I <clears throat> I wouldn't mind sharing something with with you that kind of came to me in meditation last night, you know, because I mean, this is the right time to talk about these things about human beings arriving at that level of consciousness that encapsulates all of humanity, you know, that kind of that very um well it it's almost like it seems to me to be the realization almost a similar thing that that, that the buddhists say that there is no enlightenment without everyone's enlightenment you know there is no there is no peace without everybody's peace um yeah and you know we're living in an upside down world you know where instead of recognizing that we all need to kind of come together, unify, move towards higher things, you know, um, it's just like Heraclitus said, you know, that those who are asleep are each going into a darkness of their own, you know, and, and we've become obsessed with me and, and I, and, and what I want and my desires, all that sort of stuff. Heck, I, I fall into that trap all the time. But Me too. Especially yeah. with what's happening in Israel right now and just the complexity of our current world. Everything, it's like, it's exactly what Mark Devine said on my show uh, uh, about a year and a half ago. He said, everything's just going to keep on getting quicker and quicker. Things are about to speed up massively, like in a spiritual sense, but you'll see that manifested in the world and it's happening. And now you just can't keep up with it. It's like every day something horrifying is happening or something that is really threatening to freedom of large masses of people or 
whatever it is, we all know that feeling that we get every single day when you see the news. And it's real and it's happening. And what I was thinking about last night, what just really came to me is that I know for myself and for the world as a whole right now, what we need to do is to sit quietly, to breathe deeply, to think very slowly, and to listen intensely, you know, just to find that space to pause and actually think about how beautiful it is that we're all here, how grateful we should be for any sort of blessing that we currently have in our modern culture, and and then to just to see what am I missing? You know, like whether it's my relationships with people or, you know, the things I could do to contribute in my community or, you know, it just, it just seems like we're at this fever pitch right now where everybody's just so fast paced. Everything is happening all at once. So much stuff is happening that we need to, way more people, we need to arrive at that level of being able to have that genuine love for our human beings absent of any sort of you're the enemy or you're evil or you're this but just and i think that a lot of that comes i'd love your opinion on this too like i think a lot of that comes from the recognition of cause and effect that every single human being we can love every single human being if you at once realize that they are who they are because of the cause and effect of the past billion trillion years leading to <laughs> wherever the hell they are. Whatever ill thoughts you think they have, whatever stupid things they say, whatever evil desires they have in their life, you can still love that person if you recognize that where they're coming from, they couldn't possibly come from anywhere else because it's just who they are based on the cause and effect of their life. You know, um, I don't know. What do you think of that? Am I am I going along the right line? Like, I, I, I know you threw oh. like a weird direction out there, but I think it's yeah. No, I think it's um, it's beautiful in a way of um, like it. It gets tricky and it gets like complicated and nuanced and all of that type of stuff like that that thing of um, like loving the world, loving everyone and like, you know, giving, giving grace and not necessarily like doing this subjective categorization of like good and bad and this and that. It's like this, like tribal type of stuff that our like minds tend to do. But but I'm I'm curious like from a practical thing of uh, like in Buddhism uh, this like loving kindness meditation of where you essentially like express love like just by yourself in a, in a meditative form towards somebody that is uh, difficult you know or, or someone that is maybe uh, like hard to love. You know, it's like this important thing and you start and it kind of does this like concentric circle thing. People can give it a give it a Google for specifics on it. 
But often you would think in terms of uh, like the same way as maybe like praying for others. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what's that going to, what's that going to do? Or this like loving kindness meditation. Well, what's that going to do? And it's like a strange thing of where it's like, well, it's likely maybe not going to do anything for that particular person. But for you, you know, it's like softening our own hearts. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. tapping into our own compassion. Like this thing of returning love for hate that Jesus talks so much about and, and many others, really. Yeah, it's really difficult. But it's not necessarily, like, that's not a thing that changes other people, per se. Like, it's it's for us. It's us, like, loosening our particular judgments, letting go of our particular, like, righteousness. You know, um, I don't exactly, obviously, know from any sort of uh, psychological thing of, like, why that why that works, what's like going on. But I think like in, we all generally know like that practices like that, like forgiveness, it feels really freeing and really the right thing to do when we forgive someone, whether we like talk to them, you know, like whatever it may be, when we expand our circles of compassion you know, toward, towards others. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a strange thing, but that, that, that type of stuff seems to really influence like the way that we're able to work in harmony with these people that we actually interact with, you know, like our family, friends, the people we work with and things like that, um, that like cosmic view, but like a cosmic love type of thing. Man, that's so beautiful. And it just like a big paradigm shift for me as well. Cause it's, <clears throat> I think so often when we engage in the philosophical path, I know for me, it's easy to think very much externally. What would be good for everybody? You know, what, well, mm. you know, oh, they, they, they should really do this. This person should really, you know. But if you think of it from that perspective, it's like um, you can also think what what would like, like what's good for the bee is good for the hive sort of thing. What's good for the hive is good for the bee. That as yeah. above, so below sort of idea, you know. Yeah. Uh, what would just be really good for everybody? Well, I need to do that. And it would be so good if everybody took that time to pause, to reflect, to, I love what you said, to, to what, loosen the heart or what, 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 is, what was the term you said? I don't, to, I don't remember exactly, but maybe soften well, the heart. Or, <laughs> soften the heart, soften <laughs> the heart. That's it. To soften the heart. Oh man. You know, and it's, it's tough because, you know, you do have to, reconcile yourself with the fact that I'm going to soften my heart even though many people will not. And then in those interactions in my life with the many people who have not softened their hearts, 
I need to remain softened. <laughs> I need to show that love, you know, um, through just the work that, that I do or you do, you know, that, that we, we, we do in our lives. And it's so difficult. I think it's one of the, one of the most challenging parts of the philosophical path is, is reconciling yourself with that fact that, um, no matter what, you know, good I do in, in, in my personal growth, it, there's absolutely no guarantee that it will happen out there, you know, and and maybe that's important, you know, just to recognize that. Oh, completely. And I think it's so, so challenging, you know, at least speaking, speaking for me, like if, if you think about in the way of, um, you know, the opening lines of the Enchiridion, what's up to us, what's not up to us. Like within our control is to completely spread love to the best of our ability you know, or work to cultivate, you know, this, this art of art of loving that expands and, and keeps expanding. Um, man, but it's so challenging because it's like, um, you know, we have this desire for maybe some sort of reciprocal nature. We have this desire for some sort of, um, you know, obviously there to be good in harmony in wisdom, you know, in the, in the world, it's, um, it's such a challenging thing. And I think maybe we, we might've, it's been a bit now, but we, yeah, we might've talked a little bit about that in, uh, in how to live as well of, you know, how do we make sense of this thing? Like Marcus Aurelius did of, Hey, we're, we're not living in Plato's Republic. Like, it's just not, uh, you know, that is a challenging thing. And I wonder, I wonder if love is that which connects us, you know, like, and, and, and makes us realize the perfection of the seemingly imperfect, you know, cause, yeah. cause even it seems to me like the appropriate place to land once we've done the introspection is that I feel greater peace. And despite the seeming chaos of the world out there, it makes more sense now how everything is as it should be. It's almost like coming back to a realization of the interconnectedness of everything, the perfection of everything, despite what we in our very limited perception see as chaos and destruction and sadness and grief and loss and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and then we kind of live between those two worlds. I know that's what I've just been experiencing the past couple of years is just like this constant jumping between, oh my gosh, look how chaotic the world is and how, how much devastation that there is and is to come. And then the other side of that is, oh, we're all a part of God and this is one totality. And I, I do get this real deep sense that there is a perfection. There is an underlying order to all of this madness, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's difficult to go, go, but, but yeah, I mean, to me, it seems as though, um, 
that opens the door to a certain kind of love that could not be re- experienced when we only live in the world where we think that there is the good and the evil, the bad and the good, the the chaos and the order, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, um, man, this conversation, yeah, this conversation flew by. But let me um, leave us a bit on a, um, a cliffhanger here in the way of the the madness that you mentioned um this is another thing i i obviously like don't know for sure but it seems like there is something to the exploring our own madness like carl jung might say like our dark side or the shadow or something like that um i but yeah, it's fascinating. But I'm the other quote that I made a note of comes from Thomas Merton, somebody I'm a I'm a huge fan of, and he wrote in No Man Is an Island. Uh, I'll read this briefly, and we can uh, briefly comment on it before we wrap up. But he says, if we are to love sincerely and with simplicity, we must overcome the fear of not being loved. And this cannot be done by forcing ourselves to believe in some illusion, saying that we are loved when we are not. We must somehow strip ourselves of our greatest illusions by recognizing the many ways we are unlovable, descend into the depths of our being until we come to the fundamental reality in us and learn to see that we are lovable after all in spite of everything. And it's, uh, you don't hear much of that on too many podcasts. And I I hope the listeners don't, um, take it in a way of an uninspiring thing, but it's, it's just a bit of a paradox, this thing of, uh, you know, understanding our own madness in a way, looking a bit at our own shadow, in some way, like also seems to soften our, our hearts, if you will, and like help us to grow in compassion. It's so easy for us to fall into like the sin of pride or righteousness or, you know, lack humility, whatever you would want to, want to call it. But, um, yeah, any, any brief thoughts on that, Simon? And we can, in our next conversation on, on how to think about God, we can obviously, um, you know, continue this conversation as well. There's a lot of threshing that goes along with that, you know, kind of looking at your dark side, right? There's like a lot of yeah. sifting the wheat from the chaff. And um, I certainly think it it brings a lot of, humility to um to really just look at that what, what's coming to me is like i just i know that <clears throat> yeah it's like when you look into that darkness then you're left with like well what other reasons do i have that i'm actually whether whether you call it love or like whether i feel worthy or whether i feel as though i should you know, go towards this or go towards that or have this, whatever it is. It's like, it's such an interesting idea because yeah, if you do look into that darkness, it seems as though there, there is going to be that little kernel 
of like, well, well, hang on, but but what about this? You know, um, yeah, that's a di- that's a difficult one. I'd love I'd love to pick up on that next time because I don't yeah. think my thoughts are quite clear on that yet. Yeah, we will. I'm looking forward to the to the next episode as well and connecting again. But it's uh, it makes me think as you're talking there around. We've talked about wisdom being many things, love being many things, and obviously we are many things. You know, it's like whatever you say in terms of either one of us or anyone listening, there's an and and an and, you know, we are these like multitudes and, you know, paradoxes and polarities, you know, w- within us and, uh, um, you know, and that's a beautiful and interesting and fascinating thing about us. And hopefully exploring these questions, living the questions, letting them run in the background will help us all to create a bit more clarity about like who we are and what's important. And sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that. And it's, you know... um, it's not, uh, you know, a super easy thing, and it and it doesn't need to be, you know. So, but beautiful connecting with you, man. I'm so uh, so grateful and and looking forward to doing it again. Oh yeah, it's always good when we find the space to you know sit down and talk. So, um, yeah, here's to many more, and and yeah, you know, people come on out to uh, to the reading and the good life as well. You know, seeing as we're. Uh, we mentioned that earlier on as well. We'd love to see you there and engage in many more. I, th- I think the conversations are just getting better and better in that group. You know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's just beautiful. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, lots of uh, love and wisdom to the listeners. We appreciate you getting all the way to the end of, end of this one. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If so, I encourage you to put what you heard into practice. You can learn more at perennialleader.com. There you'll find links to show notes. Until next time, be wise and be well.